0: is the bloody disgusting podcast network. we will hunt. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and
1: Leone D'Antonio. Hey, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew episode 300 unbelievable. This lasted this long. I don't know how, but thank you so much for giving us the time of day. A reminder before we get going here, if you'd like to watch the video version of the Boo Crew, you can now do that with our show on Bloody Disgusting TV. It's available on Roku, Sling, Vizio, Smartcast, and more. That said, it is Texas Chainsaw Week, the new film from David Blue Garcia at time of release out right now, exclusively on Netflix. This time around, you're joined by award-winning film maker and special effects legend Todd Tucker. Him and his team at Illusion Industries are behind the new look of the iconic Leatherface. Find out about everything that went into the mask design from concept to making the molds, the different versions used, and so much more. Plus, here's stories from the set of his absolutely insane career, including Bram Stoker's Dracula, Idle Hands, Mike Flanagan's brilliant Ouija Origin of Evil, and a costume cameo in the most off the rails werewolf film possibly ever, Big Bad War. Wolf. Texas Chainsaw Week continues with the brilliant Todd Tucker now playing. This
0: is hardest to hear.
2: Sally, I'm afraid your old friend's back.
0: Fifty years I've been waiting for this night. Just to see him again. <gasps> Leatherface. that he wants. I'm not gonna let him kill you. (gasps) Fear no evil. Fear no evil.
2: Try anything and you cancel bro. Oh
0: fuck. Screen, that's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a boo crew autopsy. All right,
1: how's it going, dude? Good. How you guys doing? Doing fantastic. (laughs) Good, good. Whoa, I love
0: your
2: background. I
1: love it a lot. Mm. That's amazing. Uh Oh my
2: gosh, I want to be there. You guys should have just came over here. We could have done right right exactly. Oh my (laughs) god, dude, that's incredible. Also, by the way, I wanted to invite you next saturday night the 19th the night after uh it comes out on netflix i'm doing a live stream here from my studio and i'm going to show a bunch of cool behind the scenes i'm going to show the mask i'm going to do everything i got everything in this back room right here dude that's incredible (laughs) we're going to do questions and q a's and i'm going to have um some cool stuff. Some really cool stuff. So, dude, we are huge awesome. fans
1: of yours, and uh, so we're going to kick it off. We're going to do uh, an introduction, and we'll get into it. Swearing oh. is going to be okay. Don't worry about that. And oh, good. Uh, yeah. we, we yeah. might go. We might go off the book a little bit too, man, because we we are very familiar with a lot of your work, so.
2: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know on on how much platform? time
1: you got, but we're going to try and keep it to the 30, but uh, we'll see.
2: <laughs>
1: All right, you got it. All right. You got so it. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio is a spectacular, award-winning special effects and makeup artist, writer, producer, actor, and director. He has had an absolutely insane career spanning from work with Steven Spielberg to the Emmy-nominated Sons of Anarchy. He's been behind the magic on so many of the amazing films that have made us all fall in love with the genre, including... Idle Hands, and Stuart Gordon's The Pit in the Pendulum, and Blade, and Francis Ford Coppola's three-time Oscar-winning Dracula, Star Trek Van Helsing, Ouija Origin of Fucking Evil, Insidious The Last Key. He worked on a little-known six-time Emmy-winning TV series called Friends, amazing collaborations with Disney on shows like Hannah Montana, the five-time award-winning Charmed, and blockbusters like Pirates of the Caribbean, Zack Snyder's Watchmen, Benjamin Button, and The Mask, and that's just to name. Name a few. He runs Illusion Industries, who bring your dreams and nightmares to life every <laughs> single day. And one of the latest examples of their brilliant creations takes center stage on February 18th. The time of releases. Him and his team are behind the look and design of the iconic Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, available exclusively on Netflix. Not just that, but he's responsible for so many of the most inspired and unforgettable moments in, in TV and film FX history. It is such an honor to welcome the legendary Todd Tucker.
2: Yeah. wow yeah. oh my god i'm gonna to have to play back that was the greatest intro i've ever heard in my career i give that dude, you're kidding me dude. my god all the stuff that you've done is dude, just... you reminded me of stuff i haven't thought of in 10 oh years my god
1: you have no idea how excited we are to talk I to you i must be 110
2: Damn. years old <laughs> a
1: benjamin button right exactly exactly so as i, I warned you before we're gonna go off the book just a little bit yeah, uh, no, because there's it, so many man. things to ask about but first off just right down to brass tacks as a viewer, what were the horror films that changed your life and helped set you off on this path?
2: Okay. Well, um, uh, so the horror films to me that really, really impacted me, of course, Texas chainsaw, because there really wasn't, you know, other than the exorcist, Texas chainsaw and the exorcist were like the scariest things there were. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, came Halloween, which just scarred me for life. I actually, for Texas Chainsaw, didn't get to see it the way I should have. I, My mom and stepdad took me to a drive-in to see some horrible documentary called In Search of Noah's Ark. And I was like, I was like maybe six or five or something. I'm like, this is horrible. So I went to the concession stand in the middle of the movie theater, uh, the drive-in, and sat on a slide and watched Texas Chainsaw from there. wow, this is really scary. Um, But it wasn't like I wasn't, I should have been in a theater to get that full effect. But when I saw Halloween, man, that one got me really good. Jaws scarred me to death. I still don't go in the ocean. Um, And ultimately, you know, to grow up in that time when there wasn't a lot of classic monsters since the original classic monsters, the black and whites, you know, that was the beginning of Leatherface, uh, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger. I mean, that just sprung the greatest thing that ever happened to the world. (laughs) Dude. So
1: during that time when you were taking all this stuff in, how, what were the first things you ended up creating? What were the things that kind of kickstarted you into going into your room and going, okay, I'm going to see if I can make something.
2: Well, I was an only child and I was a weird introvert kid. I was the kid on the street that literally everyone thought I was told multiple times I would probably end up in a mental institution or something weird. Or, and um, so I was that kid that just like, just obsessed on movies and I would go to the movie theaters by myself as a kid and spend the entire weekend just watching movie after movie or the same movie over and over. I just loved it, man. It was an escape for me. And, you know, and movies like the dark crystal and star Wars and, you know, movies where as a seven, eight, nine year old kid, you could literally just, just lose yourself. And I did. I just, that's why I'm here today doing what I do was because of those movies that came out and inspired me so much as a, as an effects artist and as a filmmaker. Um, Cause I had this ultimate goal when I was younger, before I moved to Los Angeles of this whole path I was going to take, where I would make movies and do effects and, play monsters and act and then direct and write and do this one. And everyone was like, you're nuts, man. You're nuts. What are you thinking? And I went, no, no, I just move, you <laughs> know, the way. So I got to do it. So I will tell you right now, if you have the drive and the motivation, you can do a lot, you know, just go do it. <laughs> so what did you end up doing?
1: Did you pursue it as a, you know, as a school thing Were you reading famous monsters of film land and Fangoria and picking up things in, from there and learning about these different schools you could go to, what was
2: your process? Okay. So I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I will just tell you that right now. When I was a kid, I was trying to figure out how to do this stuff and learn this stuff. There was no schools. There were barely any books. There was nothing. There was no internet. There were no videos, none of that. Stuff, right. So I just started trying to make stuff in my garage and I lived up in Northern California. I ended up going to a Star Trek convention and there was all these masks on display with two different business cards. I called the first one. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I want to learn how to do special effects and make masks. You know, can I come clean your shop or whatever? And he literally told me to fuck off. And I went, <gasps> oh, my God. It. Oh. So I called the second one and I said, hey, I have three hundred dollars and I would like for you to make a, a puppet that I designed. Can you do that? And they're like, sure. Come on over. I go over to this guy's house. The door opens. And I don't know if you know who this is, but you probably should. It was Matt Rose and Steve Wang. No way. Oh, my God. Wow. Right. Before they were Matt Rose and Steve Wang. And I went back in their backyard and it was Matt's mom's house. And they had a little shed where they were making all this stuff. I started hanging out with them and learning how to sculpt and they taught me how to paint and do all this great stuff. And then year, about a year later, they got hired to make uh, one of the spaceships for aliens here in town and then became Stan Winston's guys and created the, the creature in monster squad, the predator, um, then Matt went off to be Rick Baker's guy and worked on uh, Harry and the Hendersons and Gremlins. And Steve went off and started directing. I mean, these guys just became the Hollywood guys, and they're the guys that taught me. So how lucky am I that I literally just went. Knocked on a door, and there they are—the oh gods
1: God. <laughs> Well, obviously, wow. it was your drive and right, You're chase, and, and being aware of that whole passion Luckily, to bring yourself there. Right enough
2: to to make me their friends, and um, and I'm still friends. Unfortunately, Matt passed away a couple of years ago, but Steve and I are still great friends, and and Steve is one of the is still one of the the badass guys in this town making stuff. Yeah. So, did they make the puppet? They did. Do you still they have did. it? I don't, it, it, it actually corroded cause it was latex, yeah. but I drew this little cute little character that was kind of a gizmo ish kind of a thing. And, and they made it for me and I got to watch them make it. And my whole, I had a whole goal. It was like, I'm going to hopefully become friends with these guys and they'll just teach me cause I can't find anywhere else to learn how to do this. And then they taught me for about a year. And then when they moved, I kept coming down to Los Angeles and they would teach me on the weekends and stuff. It was awesome. I just got so lucky because I didn't have to go to a school. And then I moved down here in 1990. And the very first thing I worked on was a movie that Steve was called the Giver. I remember that Um, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And he was directing, it was his movie. And so I am sitting there making monsters and Matt's working there and a guy named Eddie Yang and all these, and, and uh, just these amazing guys. Right. And I'm sitting there working And then I just started from that point on, I I worked, I got hired at another shop and then stayed at that other shop for almost two decades. And the very first film I worked on at the new shop was hook. (laughs) Oh my God! Nice. Yeah, so I just got—I've just been a lucky dude. I'll, I'll be honest with you.
1: Well, shortly there, shortly after Hook, you ended up being a part of Bram Stoker's Dracula. What was your experience like? Kind of helping to bring that vision to life. It was—I mean—so immaculately detailed and gorgeous. What kind of experience did you have on that?
2: Well, I got to work on that one. It was awesome. I got to work with some really, really amazing artists. Um, there was one guy that um, is one—one of, one of the top sculptors in the industry. His name is Mitch Devane and Mitch is just an amazing sculptor. And he, he sculpted a good portion of the makeups and the things in that film. Um, Another guy named Matt Rose or not, I'm sorry, Matt falls. And uh, it it was really cool. I got to, I got to be on set and I'll tell you, it was such a weird experience. I had so many weird things happen because we were shooting at Sony and I got in charge of a lot of the gags and the effects that would happen and for the most part i really didn't get a chance to test any of this stuff so i was kind of thrown to the wolves and there was a couple times on set where man um i learned some lessons for sure one of them was double check and triple check your call time because i left the night before from sony drove home and they told me to be on set the next morning at 9 a.m sharp do not be late So I left my house up in Santa Clarita at seven o'clock give myself two hours to get there. Right. And an hour in, when I'm sitting in traffic, I get a phone call and they're like, where in the hell are you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I have, I'm almost, I'll be there at nine o'clock and they're like, your call time changed. You were supposed to be here at seven fifteen. I'm oh like, my ah! oh my no. god! <laughs> ah! I go over to the light. I'm driving on the side of the road. Yeah. Out. Oh my god! Totally flipped out, man! <laughs> just treacherous shit. So, um, I've had a lot of very interesting experiences. But I got to work with um, Gary Oldman. Was working with Gary was just like amazing. And then I got to work with him a bunch of times after that too. So I kind of, I. um, just got the, the pleasure of working with Gary. I got the amazing pleasure of working with Robin Williams on uh, hook and then on Mrs. Doubtfire and then on Bicentennial man and a bunch of other projects. I just kind of kept working with him. And for me, Robin Williams was the guy. He was, he's, he was the father figure I had growing up because I didn't have a dad. So that was the guy that I was like sense of humor, funny, cool. I'm going to be that guy as much as I can to, get through the hell. (laughs) And then I got to work with them. So it was really, really cool. And when I work with these people, by the way, let me just throw this out there. It's always a team of people. It's never me doing everything. I always make a very blanket statement. I am part of a crew team that puts this together. It's a number of artists, anywhere from two to 12 people potentially. So, um, it's great. And I get to work with all these amazing talented people and you just learn more and more and absorb it as you go. So it's really damn cool. Oh, that's so amazing.
1: Another one of our favorites is idle hands. And that's a movie that people are really rediscovering right now. And it was kind of like, it's like a millennial evil dead. It's, it looked like a blast. (laughs) Everybody involved in that thing looked like they were having a blast. Talk a little bit about your experience on, on idle hands.
2: Well, I will say this. Um, so So that was awesome, working with Devin, working with Seth, working with Jessica, because she was brand new. She was 17 years old when we shot that film. And the way I know that is because after we shot the film, about six months later, we reshot the ending so that they could put her in some really hot clothes, (laughs) have my hand puppeteer the puppet that gets stoned and is going after her because oh, the <laughs> idle hand goes into a puppet. So that's me puppeteering that stone hand, going through trying to kill her. And it was just, that was another one. That was just a weird fun project, man. I, you know, God, that was such a long time ago, too. That and that was one that I got to supervise on set. That was my show. I kind of, I kind of um Got to, got to be in charge for all the good and the bad on that one. <laughs> oh my
1: God. So when you say supervised, so really like overseeing the, an entire gag from beginning to end kind of thing, be there oh, on no, set no, and no. execution.
2: I, I oversaw the entire show. Holy I was sh- the one, I was the one doing the breakdown. I was the one uh, bringing on the artists on and myself making everything. And then I was on set doing the makeups, supervising other makeup guys, puppeteering, I was the guy in charge they, I mean, when something was going on, they came to me. They're like, Todd, get your ass over. here!" Oh my God. That's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I mean, that's, I've, I've done that on a lot of shows where I'm, I am the guy in charge, especially when I own illusion. They're not calling anybody else. It's my ass on the line, 120%. But I got that early on and that was one of them. And it was, it was interesting, but everyone was really cool. The, the, the Susan, the sisters were great. Um, and, um, Even, I mean, even Vivica Fox, I even had to do all the the blood on that one. There was an animatronic hand. I was puppeteering it. and uh, There was just a bunch of stuff in that damn movie. But I remember there was one day where we had to put blood all over Vivica Fox. And I had, and it was like, I was putting on the rest of her jacket, but clearly I had to do it over her breasts. And I go, Vivica, here, you can (laughs) put it on your own hands if you want to. And she goes, dude. I've done this for a long time. Just do your job. And I went, you got it. And she goes, and I go, very cool. And I saw her about five years ago and I thanked her for being so damn cool. Right.
1: And she, she obviously, I would imagine would remember working on idle hands very fondly as she hasn't done anything is crazy since then. Uh-huh. I, bet.
2: I actually still have the pumpkin that is on Fred Willard's dead body in the, in the upstairs man, away. <laughs> do you have an archive of all this
1: stuff that you like to get a hold of? Or does the studio end up taking it all away? Usually
2: uh, back then the studios didn't really, didn't really know a lot of what was left over and really didn't care. Cause it was just too much paperwork. But then that all changed about uh, 15 years ago when all of a sudden they considered everything that was made an asset. And at the end of a show, you then have to box it inventory it and then they go put it in some some Raiders of lost Ark giant warehouse full of shit. They have no idea where it is. Right. And
1: then it's lost forever.
2: <laughs> oh, now, this
1: is one I'm We're going to ask you about it. I'm shitting you. Not <laughs> very few people. We talked to have seen it and I don't know why. Oh God. It's aching for a rewatch by the I'm way. Afraid, it's been a while. 2006 yeah. is <laughs> big bad wolf. One of the craziest fucking werewolf movies I think ever made, actually. Crazy. And I had heard, according to your IMDb, and this is freaking me out, that you were inside the werewolf suit. Is this okay. true? Okay, so
2: here's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is absolutely yes. Um, oh, wow. wow. So here's what happened. They <laughs> nice. shot the film. Um, they had another effects company uh, make the, the the monster. I didn't make the monster. And then um, I was friends with Richard Tyson, um, who is Richard, terrifying in that movie. By the way, oh, he's a scary ass dude. Trust <laughs> yeah. me. In person, <laughs> man, that guy is intimidating. I had I directed a short for him. I directed a short for him and his friend. They came over to my house to film Richard's little short. The door rings. It's Richard. And Roddy Piper. No like, fucking. Are you way. kidding me? <laughs> so I directed and, and did this thing at my house. I all night shoot at my house with him. So anyway, he's he shot the film and he was like, yeah, It was the fucking wearing that suit was horrible. I'll never do it again. And then they called him back and had to do a bunch of reshoots. And he's like, Screw this shit. And he goes, No, hire Todd. So <laughs> I had played a lot of creatures. I was playing creatures on charmed at that point. I played the, the PlayStation werewolf. I mean, I played a lot of werewolves at that point, actually. So I'm like, sure, no problem. I'll do this for you. And then they created an entire opening sequence. That wasn't even Richard's character. That was another werewolf. That is the one that starts the whole chain. Right? So if you watch the whole opening sequence, there's two guys running through a jungle. I jump out of the bushes. I stomp on one guy Break his, break his leg off backwards and then shh, and then drink the blood of his leg and throw it to the ground and, and I'm just like holy shit what, night, what time is it and then, they, and then they had me do a bunch of shots wow. in the makeup to look like Richard to shoot stuff that Richard didn't want to shoot anymore so yeah I, I got to play that I got to play a few characters in that show I love doing that crap though, man. I'm a total nerd. I'm such a nerd. I love that. I still do that to this day. I just played uh, two creatures in a new Netflix film that we just shot in Atlanta. We made 26 characters and I played two of them. I was supposed to play three, but they couldn't get me and all three characters at the same time. Oh my God, dude. You have to clone yourself. That is incredible. And again, anyone listening
1: who has not seen big bad wolf, see it. It is bizarre off the rails. Insane. It's insane. And the werewolf talks for most of the movie the werewolf talks no one has ever brought
2: that up in an interview are you serious oh wow damn
1: double that's two that's two
0: (laughs) the boo crew will be right back this is the movie that rex reed called the most horrifying motion picture i have ever seen this film is positively ruthless in its attempt to drive you right out of your mind This is the horror movie to end them all. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from New Line Cinema. Rated R. No one under 17 admitted without parent or guardian.
1: And then okay, and then we're all, we're almost to Leatherface. Don't worry. But we are massive Mike Flanagan fans, and one of the best horror films in modern day history is Ouija: Origin of Evil. Oh, and cool. it's it's got so much style. It is a love letter to the best of the best in the genre. And you worked on that. What was your experience like working with Mike and bringing that story to life?
2: Mike was awesome. Mike no, Mike knows his shit. That guy's a really good director. He's a really good writer producer too, I and mean, he really understands what he's doing. And he understands horror. You know, there's only there's really only a handful of new guys that really kind of get it in my opinion. And, and Mike is one of them. Uh, obviously James Wan gets this really well and there's a couple others, but, uh, working with him was great. It was interesting because the creatures in, in the story originally, um, they weren't, they were described as being very unrecognizable, almost, almost nightmarish. So, he had mentioned about having them be kind of white and albino ish. And I was like, well, I was like, what if, what if um, we made them the opposite and made them kind of real dark so that they could literally be standing right next to you in the shadows. And then what we do is make their eyes just glow yellow, like a freaking owl. So that if they have their eyes closed like this, And all of a sudden you're too close. All they have to do is open their eyes and you won't know it until their hand comes out and grabs you by the mouth and pulls you in. I go, what if we did something that could literally hide in the shadows? And he's like, that's pretty cool. Show me a design. So we did a design and showed it to him. And he was like, hell yeah. Cool. And I was like, hell yeah. Cool. So, so then we had to make a bunch of these guys, um, because there was going to be like, we had like, I think eight of them in one scene at one time. And the hero creature was, of course, my good friend, Mr. Doug Jones. So, Doug played the hero character and did all the, the main stuff. But, man, I'll tell you, the little girl in that movie, she, both of the girl actresses were amazing. And the little girl, one day. Lulu Wilson?
0: Wilson? Yes.
2: Yeah. There was, and she was so professional and so sweet. There was one day when they said, hey, here's the deal. Um, we need you to put the makeup on her that has the stitched mouth. And then we need you to take it off because she has to eat lunch. And then we need you to put it back on because we have to catch finish shooting that scene. And then we have to shoot a scene where she doesn't have it, and then put it back on for the last scene of the day. And I went okay. And they said, and you got like 15 minutes each time. I'm like, oh well, okay. Um, and I went to her and I said, are you okay with this? And she's like, yeah, do it, rock it out. So we literally put that thing on to get off, put it on to it off, put it on. Took it, off, put it, off. And it was like. <laughs> going through like a race car thing and she was so pro um she was great man i, I she's probably going to be one of those actresses in the next 10 years that's gonna that could potentially come back and just like knock people out but it was it was a great experience it was really cool uh, it was great to work with doug again and my team was awesome uh martin Nastals, who is martin nastles is my key artist martin um was my guy, uh, has been my key artist for 15 years now. He's been the one guy that has been by my side this entire time. And I have to tell you, I, and I, and I'm not saying this just cause he's mine. Um, he is by far one of the most intense, greatest sculptors I have ever worked with in my entire career. I've seen him do sculptures. I've never seen anybody do where there is literally a sculpture within a sculpture within a sculpture. And I don't even know how the hell he does this shit. So when we got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I I knew Martin was a total nerd of, of Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw. I didn't realize that he is potentially maybe the most knowledgeable expert on that damn franchise of anyone in this world i have never he knows shit that the studios don't know <laughs> well in terms of what like what what, what went Knowledge into making certain things or just storylines everything everything backstory wow. actors story movie behind the scene i mean he knows stuff that he almost be i i'm pretty sure okay so when we got the project um I, I go hey dude guess what we got it i he goes i go Leatherface, and he didn't th- i didn't believe it either when we got it and then literally a week after we got the project the world shut down to the pandemic and i'm like holy oh. shit we're gonna lose this movie i can't believe it and then i got a phone call from the guy that brought me on the project his name's herb Gaines. he's a producer at legendary who i'd worked with on the past on watchmen and gi joe he's like dude we're gonna keep going if you're up If you can make this happen, let's go. And I'm like, "Um, I'll make it happen. So finding a crew was really hard because it was at the height of pandemic. Nobody wanted to leave their damn house. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? So I finally found a crew, but we did everything design wise by this new weird thing called Zoom that I hadn't used before. Right. And we had to do all the design. But ultimately, Martin Astles knows this damn character and this franchise so well that he started sculpting this and designing the face for it. And it was interesting because he sculpted it with a sad look. And I go, hmm, that's really cool. And he goes, they're going to fight this. And I go, why? And he goes, watch. So we took it in and we showed it to him. We, or I'm sorry, we showed it on Zoom. And they're like, I don't know, is it scary enough? And we're like, guys, here's the idea. If you make it scary, it has nowhere to go. With this sad look, even though it's a little different, he has emotion now. Meyer's having no expression at all. You read into that and there's way more terror than if he's going like this. And they're like, hmm, maybe. And I was like, and if we can just keep his, you know, we want to keep his hair flat. We didn't want any big hair. We want to kind of make him feel realistic because they told us. The first movie is the only thing that exists. Nothing else happened. We are taking this from the first movie. Leatherface is now this age, current day, and his story now continues. So everything was organic to the script. The reason his face looks and is what it is, is because of the way the script unfolds. And you'll see when you see the film and Martin designed the face. Uh, He sculpted it. I brought in a great team. I brought in Miles Tevis. I don't know if you knew who Miles is, but he's an amazing artist. He sculpt, he designed the original Batman suit, RoboCop. Wow! Oh my this god, this guy's like the shit. Wow. Uh, legend. He did all the shit for for no legend. way. He came in and designed what Leatherface looks like underneath the mask. So he created his underneath look because you see a brief look of Leatherface underneath, and then because it was COVID, they would only let us send one person to facilitate the entire show. So. I'm like, Martin, you gotta go, because ultimately you know everything, and they're gonna need your knowledge on set because you're like an expert. I've never I didn't even know. And Martin's so qualified, he was he's a badass. So he was the one person that went on set and applied it the the entire time. They hired a couple of local companies to do some of the other gore effects, but Martin literally was the guy um, that that did everything on set. And luckily, um, David Blue Garcia, who was the director, Killed it! Just made a kick-ass movie. The DP um, Rick Diaz shot a film that just looks—I mean, it looks like a big studio film. It does not look like a cheap. It doesn't look anything like the original, and that's not what they were going for look-wise. He made a beautiful film, and fede Alvarez, who is the one of the head producers and the main creative guy over at Bad Ombre, we'd never worked with him, so this was a great opportunity to work with them because they had done the new. Um, um, Evil Dead, yeah, and which Don't was Breed insane. Him. Yeah, they're just so on good. fire. And yeah, Fade was a badass. So these guys really are the ones that just made this movie what it is. And I can tell you this, and I'll shut the hell up. The fans of Leatherface and the fans of Texas Chainsaw will absolutely get the level of violence and intensity that they are expecting from this damn movie and more. I think most people will appreciate and like the face once they see the story and. I think that this is also going to attract 20 year old kids who may not know exactly who Leatherface is because they made it current enough, but pulled in the old and man, it, it kicks ass. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen it and it is yeah. shocking yes. as fuck. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah. it is shocking as shit.
1: <laughs> Leo, jump in with your question, man. You guys, you guys yeah. have How seen many? it. Oh yeah. Yeah. We saw it. Yeah. We saw yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We saw is I there know.
2: anything I'm saying that is not true? No, no. I'm no, a, no, thousand no. <laughs> up, a thousand percent back you up,
1: man. A thousand percent. Yeah, it's a badass movie, man. Leo, jump in. <laughs> how how many different versions of the Leatherface
2: uh, mask did you have to make? Were there versions of it for close-ups or stunts or injuries or like blood-covered versions? Oh, man. Okay, so this was hard because the problem was, is not only was it getting over there was hard, but shipping stuff was impossible. So I had Martin take a bunch of this stuff with him. So we yeah, where did it shoot? Where did it shoot? Bulgaria. Oh, shit. Wow. wow. Okay. Right. So, yeah, no, I mean, that was Texas and Bulgaria. They built an entire town that was, that looks just like Texas and Bulgaria. Um, It looks amazing. So shipping stuff was horrible. So we had about, I want to say between 20 and 25 different silicone faces that we sent over with Martin. He kind of hand carried all this stuff. And then we had um, wigs and we had, um, some Gore stuff. And then we also had, I think like 25 or 30 sets of dentures and appliances and stuff like that, because we knew when Martin got there, not only was he going to have to put it on Mark Burnham who played Leatherface, but we knew that we were going to have to also retrofit all this stuff to go on two or three different stump guys. So all of this had to fit on all these guys. So, um, he was able to do it and retrofit everything there. And, uh, I don't think you can tell the difference between one of the other guys. It was pretty seamless. Mark Burnham did a really good job, as you guys know, of kind of pulling in a few of the physicalities of, of Gunner from the original film. There was a few physical things that he did that we were, you know, we told him, we're like, watch that movie and watch some of the things in the, the way he kind of husks and just kind of pick up and some the, of and that the stuff. dance. He does the dance. Right. Right. So it's like, we, we were like, you know, the fans will pick up on that stuff and you got to really be careful that you watch, and and are accurate. And we tried to be as accurate as we could. And, and so it was cool, man. It was, and so we, we had a lot of different faces and what happens is, you know, throughout the movie um, the faces don't change, but literally what it looks like at the beginning, (laughs) and what it looks like at the end are two completely different things. Um, It is so covered in blood and muck and all this stuff that it's completely a different look. And it graduates through the movie which was the hardest part of the movie while Martin was there was knowing when we would go back and shoot something from a later or earlier part of the script, what level of bloody face is it that he looked like at that time in the movie? So there was a nightmare of continuity, but he killed it. Everyone killed it. And, um, I think it worked quite well.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Were you guys, uh, was your team on set for the uh, infamous bus bus massacre scene?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys have any I don't want to say anything because I don't want to give anything away. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because in the trailer, when all those kids do the phone thing, it kind of seems like a funny thing. I will say this. As you guys know, this is not a comedy. (laughs) And... That damn bus scene is going to go down in horror history. Yes, it (laughs) It definitely will. (laughs) It's
1: crazy, man. This film seems to be the only one in the entire franchise that makes a callback to the original mask from the very first film. In this case, it's through a police sketch photo. Is there any reason that you know of that that particular look that is on the action figures and all that kind of stuff that we come to know as Leatherface from the original 74 version. We haven't seen that look exactly in any of the other Texas Chainsaws. Is there a licensing thing or anything behind that that you know of?
2: You know what? I don't have the answer to that, but I, I would guess. I would guess because I know for a fact that they've been trying to get John Larroquette to do the voiceover. Yeah. For, for every sequel there was.
1: And there's like, this is the ninth one, right? And the ninth movie in the franchise,
2: right? And he would never touch it. So I think I think the fact that John Larroquette, I think the fact that this movie is being done by the people who are doing it and the level of what this movie actually is. I think it's bringing a lot of the original aspects back to the to the board that the right ones like John Larroquette was a great one. Um, You know, that just tags it right there and makes it really cool. I think they pulled the right elements from the first one back in to satisfy Uh, the fans that would otherwise want to poo-poo it.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, well said. And what do you think, like, as we were talking about the... um the cinema of this one, the way that it's shot. The, I mean, this is a brilliant soundtrack by Colin Stetson who did oh, yeah, uh, Hereditary yeah, yeah. and Color Out of Space. And you have these elements that David brings, like these split diopter shots, like all this De Palma kind of looking stuff. And the the way we see Leatherface in that trailer in that field of dead sunflowers. And you see your work kind of on display in that way. What do you love about the way David made your work of your team look uh, and come to life?
2: All I can say is, when you're a 14 year old nerd like me, <laughs> to be able to even be part of this, to even have the the honor of talking to you guys about it, it's just it's just like it's it's so cool uh, for for me as a as a fan of horror, a fan of this character. I mean, to be called when when I got the call from Herb and he goes, I need you to do this. Uh, this lead character for me for this low budget thing I'm doing for Legendary, and I was like, "Oh, okay, you know what? Do you, what is it?" And he goes, "It's Leatherface." And I went, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, "What the fuck are you laughing at?" And I went, "Herb, are you serious?" And he goes, "Yeah, are you, are you gonna do it or what?" And I'm like, "Yes, yes, yes." Sir. So I mean, I didn't even think it was real. So I mean, it's an honored man. I don't even. There's never really no words for it. It's you know, Leatherface is one of the top one of the reasons why we have what we have today in the world of horror. So you have to, you know, you have to credit Toby Hooper and those guys for making that damn movie back in the day. And I've been very lucky to, to be able to do this and, and to be on this specific film, in my opinion, the other films are all fine. They all have their great points and and their, and you know, their issues, but ultimately I feel proud as hell to have my name attached to this specific film with the people in it. And I believe the reaction of the fans when they turn that damn television off after they see it, they're going to be <laughs> Oh yeah. I'm excited. And it's just like, you know, that's just the nerd in me coming out. But ultimately I think everyone's going to really dig this. And that excites the hell out of me. Is there any
1: word on, if there's going to be a licensing thing behind the mask you guys created, and we'll be able to buy a version of it for our homes and for Halloween in the future and all that stuff. Anything you
2: could say on that note? I have no idea, but I will say this. Um, It was interesting because we were kind of under the assumption that when we made the film, that it would probably be a theatrical release. And when I heard that Netflix was picking it up, I was like, Hmm, it seems like it's, it, it it's something that, you know, um, that would have had a theatrical release. But now that I see how Netflix is treating this, they this is not a normal Netflix release. These guys are pumping this. And I am hoping and I'll throw it out to the universe. I do believe this is the beginning of a lot more to come.
1: That would be amazing. That would be insane. If so I'm nice. fortunate enough to be nice. working on
2: Leatherface for the next few years, then Christmas has come early for me and it's every damn day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes,
1: <laughs> I love it, man. And I gotta say, yes. there's I also gotta we gotta shout out before we close because this is a, a brilliant movie that everybody should check out. But the movie you did in 2017, The Terror of Hollows Even, we remember the trickster that was roaming oh, Monster, Monster Palooza. Palooza. yeah we had a booth there yeah. back in 2019 the last one and would see this creature and then ended up watching the movie It's a, you can watch it now streaming free on Roku and you can also watch it on, on Amazon Prime but well, what an incredible nice too right
2: there's your third one right, right, there, right there. there you go <laughs> what
1: an incredible what an incredible work you did on that and, and bringing yeah. more iconic characters of your own creation to life and I know a lot of those ended up getting licensed and trick or treat studio. Made masks of some of these creatures. Yeah. How rewarding yeah. an experience was that, putting that film together and, and bringing these creatures in your head to life.
2: I got to tell you that that goes up there as one of the top three things. Uh, that was the greatest experience to work with everybody to be able to make that film, to be able to, and the and the really cool weird thing about that was I it was the feature thing at Fright Fest in London. And I was there on, and it was on the IMAX screen and there was a hundred people and they, they, sold out. So I had to go to a second screen where there was another screening five minutes later. And it just, it was the experience was so great. And, and it was weird. Cause if you guys saw it, it the, the first 30 minutes is this whole backstory of this kid being beat up and he's a nerd. And that kid was me. That whole first half hour is exactly what happened to me at 13 years old. So, I would go out and I actually did an anti-bully campaign that that was aside from that film and people who saw the film would come up to me. And when I'd sign autographs, they literally they'd start crying in front of me and telling me their bully story. So, oh man, I felt really good that I kind of, you know, made a little bit of a, an impact with the story being that it was a real story with a fantasy, you know, story mixed in. I also had people go, Hey, asshole, how is this a real story? If wow. I got to explain it, I probably shouldn't have to explain it. But... Right. Exactly. Um, but I love, that was a great one. And I will, not I won't say too much, but I am about to start on my next one uh, that I'm wrote and directed. And all I can tell you is I'm very excited. I'll probably shoot it in the next couple of months. But it is, a, it is a rock and roll comedy with 80s rock stars, real 80s rock stars, and a bunch of them, and uh, some major movie stars in full prosthetic character makeups.
1: Wow! That's oh, wow.
2: incredible! Dude, we That's cannot That's wait! awesome.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> and guys,
2: also, I, absolutely, if you're available and if you're interested, I want to personally invite you to this next Saturday's event here at my studio. I'm going to be showing stuff that no one's seen before. So if you guys are interested and want to be on board, it's 4 o'clock on the 19th. Uh, It would be great because I'm going to show some some it's really cool exclusive shit awesome.
1: dude congratulations on i mean everything i mean your whole yeah. life deserves congratulations
2: <laughs> oh, that's nice, yeah. and the work Great you did on, uh, too, guys.
1: this is oh, the funniest interview i've had in a long oh, time oh man the work you did on this film man is incredible
2: i you know what here's the thing i hope people I, i'm real curious to hear what people think of the movie in whole not just what leatherface what we did but i'm really curious to hear what people um I have my uh, my uh, Talk Tucker official Instagram for anyone that wants to ask any questions or anything, but I'm curious if people, if you didn't like it, let me know. If you did like it, tell me what you liked. Cause I, I think this is a home run. And it might just be because it's, you know, we're attached to it and, and we have a special love for this. But man, I think this movie kicks ass.
1: Yeah. It's, it's ballsy, yep. man. Yeah. yeah. Everything Fetty's ever done too, man. And it pulls yeah. no punches, man. <laughs> he right. won't let
2: anything, what nothing slips through his fingers. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Oh, it's so great, man. <laughs> well, dude, we won't take up any more of your time, dude. Thank you so much for yes, hanging out with you. us. We really yeah. appreciate it. You're a legend.
2: I truly appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 300. Special thanks to our
1: guest, Todd Tucker. Follow him at Todd Tucker Official on Instagram. At the time of release, the new film, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, is exclusively on Netflix now. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, Sweet Screams.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. The Boo Crew at Tales from the Boo Crew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting podcast network. Bye.